Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Men Feel. I am Andy Grant. With me, as always, um, kind of below me today, it's my co-host, Apio Hunter. <laughs> How are you doing, Apio? I'm doing fantastic. Awesome. So, Real Men Feel. Uh, Apio and I are both coaches, and most of my clientele has always been women. Um, but uh, late last year, I started getting more intuition and hits to generate some content for men. So, out of that has come this root movement called Real Men Feel. Because instead of a definition of what does it mean to be a man, uh, just, you know, men feel. It's about mm-hmm. giving permission for you to feel whatever's going on with you. So Real Men Feel is a Facebook group. Real Men Feel is a weekly live blab show, which is what you're watching right now, in case you didn't realize it. Um, Apio is always my co-host here. And today, I think this is our first guest. This is. Right. I'm mm-hmm. excited. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So hey, we have... Uh, Coach and author Nick Bro joining us, and and I should say not just author, but best-selling author, mm-hmm. and not just best-selling author, but I believe number one best-selling author on Amazon. Yeah, in a couple of categories. Right, and you're in Canada. I am on the east coast of Canada in a little-known time zone of AST. So Atlantic Standard Time, international yes. best-selling yes. number one author. Nick correct. Bro. Correct. Okay. And Nick, you're, you're, so this is your first book that's just come out? Correct. Yep. Very first book. Um, it's the official launch was on Thursday. Um, and I'm just overjoyed by the number of people who bought the book and the feedback's just incredible. So it, uh, really amazing experience so far. Cool. Cool. And I put the link to the book early and I'll, I'll be sure and throw it into the chat room a couple more times today, but the title of the book is the power of joy. Awesome. And that's so today it's, uh, it's men talking about joy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. Apio, you were talking earlier that joy is kind of one of your favorite things. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, it is hands down my favorite favorite subject. You know, for me, it's always when I got into coaching, I, I did so because I wanted to really focus on passion, living a life filled with passion and joy and fun. One of my nicknames, besides, you know, being shiny squirrel, because I'm always being, you know, distracted by shiny objects and squirrels, happens to be Happio or Happy Apio. Because I usually, I frequently come across as an overly exuberant uh, teenager. Because uh, <laughs> I love to live in that space of being joyful and happy all the time. And for me, I, I've always believed that, you know, joy is our natural setting. It is our default setting as human beings. And if you just look at, in fact, last night I was having a discussion with a, with a group of friends about that very subject. And you know, one of the questions that came up was, is joy something that is natural to us. My personal feeling is, yes, just look at a child. At a child in any situation, regardless of whether they are in a refugee camp or they're surrounded by wealth and luxury, they're always going to find something to be joyful about and laugh and and, and just, you know, really be in the moment. And Nick, I, I haven't had a chance to actually read the book yet since it came out so recently. And it's uh, on my list of, no, my wish list right now. So I, I want to get your take on. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's pretty much exactly what I teach in my book is that you know joy is your natural state. You know, I've got two young kids, and I remember them waking up in the morning at age one or two, and as long as they didn't have a dirty diaper, they would wake up with a huge smile on their face, totally excited for their day. Right. So it's all about you know. So what happened between then and adulthood? Right. Where did the joy go? And it's not that the joy goes away; it doesn't disappear. It's just that we allow it to be covered up by the negative emotions, the traumas, that kind of suppresses the joy. So I tell people the joy doesn't go away. It's always there. It's just about removing the things or dealing with the things that are suppressing it. 
I love that. Cool. I really, and, and it's true. It is something that we accumulate over time. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that because, yeah, it's, it's something that we oftentimes take on. At least the way I look at it is we just take on other other people's stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the analogy I use in, in the book is something called the inner inbox. So, you know, mm. when, we're, when we're born, we've got this inbox inside of us that's fresh, it's clean, there's nothing in it. And as we experience life, you know, the positive and the negative, we collect these emails and attached to the emails are the emotions that go along with the circumstances. So if I experience a positive event, you know, some emails come in with positive emotions attached. And because we know those emotions feel good, we open up the email and we open up the attachments and we enjoy them. Now, if trauma or negative events occur, well, we know those emails don't feel so good, so we don't want to open them. So over time, that inner inbox gets cluttered with those negative emotions. And that's what kind of pulls us down out of that joy state and then, you know, causes a lot of other, you know, crappy stuff as well. Right. I like that. It's, it's, the, it's the figurative baggage that we yeah. accumulate. Exactly. Exactly. Our, yeah. our junk folder takes over our inbox, right? Totally. Right. <laughs> and, a lot of people, and a lot of people can relate to that, right? Like, you know, I don't know how many email most people have in their inbox, but I've got something like 30,000 unread messages in my Gmail. So my inner inbox is doing okay, but my Gmail inbox isn't so hot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so uh, the, the notion of men and joy doesn't really like you ever, you ever ask the guy how you doing today joyous like it, it it's not a word that is spoken often but when i'm doing affirmations when i'm talking about what i want out of life you know freedom love joy but you know, is that your experience do you speak of joy often I, I i do i what i find interesting is that a lot of people don't consciously seek joy directly right people seek you know the career the money you know the car the things that they want, which they don't realize, they want those things because they believe it's going to make them feel better or make them happy, right? Um, so it's interesting that what people really want is joy, but people are taking the scenic route by trying to go after the other stuff. They think <laughs> it's going to make them happy, right? So people are kind of going at it backwards. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, have it, as infinite trainer, infinite possibilities trainers, you know, it's having the end in mind, having the emotion be the goal, not the stuff in between that you think is the goal. Exactly, exactly. And then there's a Teal Scott quote that says something like, you know, I wanted the stuff to be happy, but then I just decided to be happy. And when I got happy, I didn't need the stuff. And then that's when the stuff shows up. Yeah, yeah that's the, always how it works. Yeah, yeah. It really is. It's always cool. how it works. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's a, there's a book out there um, called Happiness is an Inside Job. But during the discussion last night that I was having with my friends, an interesting concept about the difference between happiness and joy seemed, you know, surface. And there was a question that came up about what is, are happiness and joy the same or are they at different levels? And I thought that was a very interesting question to ask. You know, my, my personal take on that was joy is definitely the, like the cherry on the top of the cake. I, what, I mean, what's your take on, on the difference between happiness and joy? Are they synonymous? Are they different? Are they interchangeable? Energetically, they feel different. Mm. I, I agree that joy feels a notch up, but I can't quite define the difference yeah. through words, right? I can't quite tell what the difference is. You know, happiness seems like a, happiness seems like a, a fixed state, right? Like a, a, right. a, a fleeting coming, going like a happy moment. 
where right. joy feels like it's more extended, more long-term, um, more of an accomplishment, maybe. I don't know how to explain mm-hmm. it, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel it. What, what about you, Andy? Yeah, to, to, joy to me brings some like activity. Like I can be happy and just calm and serene, but joy, it, it, there's more energy behind it. If, yeah. if that makes sense? Totally. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. enthusiasm. Yeah. There's more enthusiasm and, you know, love of life and wanting to engage with things. That That's what joy hits me. With eyes. Yeah. Yeah. The passion that's involved yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, like happy, you know, happy is like a feeling, but joy is like, like an emotion. Like joy is what connects you with your inner being, right? right. Joy is like, it's got that oomph, um, that happiness, not that happiness is a bad thing. Happiness is good, <laughs> right. um, but it, there's that difference. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I, I appreciate you making that effort to actually define the two and find the words for it. And you are absolutely right as far as as far as the experience of it. You only know it when you actually experience it, and you can absolutely tell the difference. Totally. Now, totally. You know, do you have particular steps that you use when you're knocked out of that state of joy to, to get back into that state of joy? Yeah. So for me, it's a lot of you know what I teach people. And what I, what I try to practice as much is, is controlling my emotional state. Uh, so for example, um, you know, I've got two kids, my son is four now. And when he was three, I remember a specific incident where, um, they both got a piece of cake after supper, which they rarely get. And he had a temper tantrum because he noticed that his sister had more icing on her piece than he had. (laughs) Right. So he was angry. He was yelling, he was crying. And I said, Anderson, I said, why are you choosing to be angry? And I said it a couple of times, mm-hmm. and after 30 seconds, he kind of calmed down, um, and he sat down, and he started eating again. So I'm really trying to enforce to my kids that they're in control of their emotions, right? I, and I remember when I explained it, I said something along, along the lines of, well, you can be angry and upset that you don't have as much icing as your sister because she got the corner piece. Or you can be happy that you even have a piece of cake because normally you don't get one. Right. And, you know, we, we all see those types of situations with young kids. But what most people don't realize is adults are doing the same thing, too. Oh, so, and sometimes to a much greater extent. Yeah. So so if you're at work and you're sitting in your cubicle and you find out that your cubicle buddy got a raise and you didn't, well, he's going to be happy and you're going to be angry. Right. And vice versa. Right. So sure. you can choose that perspective that's going to make you angry or you can choose the perspective of gratitude. But, you know, what? thankful that you have a job appreciate and be grateful for him, happy for him to, to have that raise and not let those emotions, you know, get the best of you. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, a lot of what I do is, is trying to control my emotional state, not give the power of my emotional state over to my circumstances um, and feel good all the time. Mm-hmm. And it takes practice. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Anything takes practice. So in a way it is, it is in some ways a very, very to distill it down being mindful of your emotional state, you know, how mindfulness is like a big buzzword nowadays. Really it is being mindful, but of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes it's it's just having that awareness of, of keeping track of how do I feel and why do I feel the way I feel? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Another story that sticks out, and this is one of the stories in the book is one day a friend came over last summer and he walks in the door. I'm like, Oh, Hey, did you have a good day today? He's like, no, I was angry all day. I was hard on my coworkers. I was being a jerk. I said, oh, that's that kind of sucks. Did you wake up like that? He's like, actually, I was really happy when I woke up. I had an amazing morning. I had a great breakfast. I had time to play guitar for half an hour before leaving for work. And I said, okay, so when did it shift? What happened? And he thought for a second, he started to laugh. And he said, well, I was heading out the door, 
And I peeked into my laundry room and I noticed that there were two loads of laundry that needed to be folded. And he said, I effing hate doing laundry. I hate folding laundry. So he, it made him realize that he allowed two loads of laundry to impact the way he felt and the way he treated his coworkers all day. Wow. And these are things that happen at a subconscious level where again, we let go. We don't, we don't have that emotional awareness where we know how we feel and why we feel the way we feel. And sometimes just keeping track is enough of a difference. Right. Right. Just awareness is one of the, one of the tools to get the joy as is gratitude and happiness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, So joy is kind of at the apex of, of your emotional well-being. I would say it's at the top of that guidance scale. Yeah. Abraham Hicks has something called the emotional guidance scale where it's a list of the emotions based on their uh, energetic frequency, I think. Mm -hmm. And the higher the frequency, the higher the emotion and joy is on top. And then I think around the bottom, it's uh, hatred or shame or something like that. Yeah. They have a couple of comments here. Um, Craig is like laundry isn't near as legit as, as your sister getting more frosting. (laughs) 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 I like that. (laughs) But Lori has an interesting question. Can you have joy without happiness? I've never been asked that question before, and that's a, that's an awesome one. Hmm, now we're all sitting here thinking about yeah, this. I, I can't think of a way that that is, or feel a way that that is. Yeah, I, I, I see, if you think of it in terms of like that guidance scale, right, where the higher the frequency, the higher the emotional state, I think that happiness and joy are so close together that it's even hard to differentiate between the two, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you could possibly, I could, if there are rungs of an emotional ladder that you could, you're so joyous, you just jump over happy, but by being joy, you're, you still have happy with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and, to, and, yeah can you be, hun- can, I'm trying to, I'm, tr- I'm actually trying to feel unhappy and be joyous about it. Like some, some people enjoy being miserable or seem to keep choosing unhappiness. So is that their joy? Perhaps? Yeah. Well, no, go, go ahead. ahead, Nick. I was just going to say like, it's like, can you be happy and sad at the same time? Right. Um, and kind of, I think, I think moment to moment, you can only have one focus point. So if I've got two circumstances going on, I can focus on what makes me happy and then switch to the other one that makes me and switch back and forth. Right. Um, so I guess you can kind of, I don't know. Well, you know <laughs> it's interesting that you bring that up because there is, um, I don't know if you've ever, ever heard of this Sedona method by Hel Dwoskin. Um, Sedona method, and one of the one of the the practices in that is to actually switch between the two extremes of a different emotions. So, for instance, extreme joy, extreme uh, sadness, and move back and forth between the two until they eventually cancel each other out, so that you're actually in a state of complete neutrality. Oftentimes, you know, that's used in order to help people kind of release whatever it is that's causing them to feel, you know, uh, out of balance, if you will. And, you know, by going through those two extremes, eventually they'll, you'll meet in the middle. And then, truthfully, at the way I look at it, the way I tend to live my life and just exist is that that middle, that middle point is actually the point of absolute pure joy, unadulterated joy. Because everything, you're just literally being in the moment, you've released everything, and you're, you're able to appreciate everything, both the good and the bad, simultaneously. Absolutely. I like how you said in the moment there too, because like, you know, you're in that pure state of joy um, because you're in alignment and that's those, that those moments where like you completely lose track of time, right? Mm -hmm. If you can think Mm -hmm. of all the times where you lost track of the time, that's those times where you're in your absolute 
highest level of joy. <laughs> that is so true. Usually when I am in the middle of you know writing a blog post or just doing something that I truly love, yeah, I completely lose track of time. I forget to eat even. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so we've, we've got a, a question in the chat room. And, and Nick, if you want to take this on, but, you know, what about sending a child to college? Joy for the accomplishment, hope for the future, but sorrow for your loss. Mm. Kind of feeling all those things at once. So, yeah, that's a good point. You can totally feel all three, depending on which one of those three you're focusing on in the moment. Right. That's the key. Yeah. So if you're if you if you sense yourself feeling the sorrow, choose to focus on the joy of the accomplishment and change your whole. Exactly. Exactly. You know, there's it's go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it's it's about your focus point, right? Like in the book, I talk about how you know we always have a multitude of circumstances going on at the same time, but we can only ever have one focus point, right? So, like the the camera director for on a on a TV set, there's multiple cameras, but you can only ever use one camera and film on one camera at the, at a time, right? So in our lives, we always have multiple circumstances going on. So in this example, you know, there's those three aspects around, you know, sending your child to college and you get to choose on which one of the three you can put your focus on the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what a part of an aspect of it as well, and this is something that you touched on earlier, Nick, was is about, you know, being happy for someone. I personally love to say I'm happy with them versus for them because, you know, if I say I'm happy for you, I'm somehow excluding myself from that experience. And, you know, and I'm separating myself from that particular moment of joy. And so if I want to share that, that that moment of joy with them, I'll say, you know, I'm happy with you. And I get to celebrate with them as well. And then it becomes for me, it becomes more genuine, more genuine expression of that that moment of joy. Totally. Yeah, Yeah, that totally makes sense. I've I've never thought of that. But that's great. So yeah, so be sure and keep saying I'm sad for you. I'm sad for your loss, but I'm happy for <laughs> right. you on the good end, right? I'm happy with you. Happy exactly. With you. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> See, I know exactly. It becomes so automatic. You know, it's just part of it's part of the language. Yeah. So again, and, it's it's awareness. Again, like so many things, aware of your language, aware of your own emotional state, and you can take more control of it. Yeah. 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 I there, there's I tell people there's kind of two key points when you want to work your way up to that joy place. One is the awareness, and then two, it's dealing with the stuff that's in your inner inbox. <laughs> you can't just ignore it. Well, you can try, right? Um, With Abraham Hicks, she teaches people, you know, you want to focus on the joy so much that it's going to pull you up. But what I realize is that people's inner inboxes are so cluttered with stuff, it makes it very hard to move your way up that guidance scale, even through focus. So once you clear the stuff, the focus work becomes much, much easier. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's interesting you should mention that because one of the exercises in, I think, knowing the processes of, you know, of asking it is given. One of the processes that Abraham Tix talks about in that is, is getting rid of the clutter, clearing out the clutter, you know, getting a bunch of boxes and just, you know, labeling stuff and, and, you know, kind of creating a little system that works for you to basically know where stuff is, but getting it all cleared out. And that allows you, as you, as you pointed out, to focus on the good feelings that, that you're, that you're going after. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I, it's so true um, what you're saying about that inbox, because earlier today, I actually was looking at my inbox. It's kind of scary. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a crap load of messages that I haven't read. And I'm literally just kind of scanning through to see what's important, what isn't. 
and seeing those messages accumulate little by little by little does kind of make me not even want to look at my email anymore. And then who knows what important messages I will miss from in from that perspective of joy. How often how often do we miss opportunities to experience joy because we're avoiding all of the crap that's in our inbox? Yeah, and and it's not just missing out on joy, but the other things too, right? So the other thing I teach is joy isn't just about feeling good. Um, when you're in that um, consistent state of joy, you're more connected to your inner being, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, your intuition gets much stronger. Um, you experience a lot of synchronicities. Like I've my book has lots of these amazing synchronicities. I had one today that was really cool. Um, and what I've realized is that the cleaner my inbox, the more in a state of joy I'm in, the more the universe supports me and guides me and um, life really becomes magical and easy the way life is meant to be experienced. Right. Um, So joy isn't just about the joy. It's about everything that goes along with it, which is really magical. And we're really, the more, you know, being willing to go look at all your email, being willing to feel all your emotions allows you to feel more joy because you're getting the other stuff out of the way by feeling it, by seeing it's there and letting it be, let it be expressed. Absolutely. Ease your way up that apex, up that, up the ladder rungs, up all of the metaphors that we can throw together. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So, so, Nick, how does you know, being in that state of joy translate into those other areas of life, that effortless abundance that you talk about? The... So, so one example is it's a combination. What I've realized is my intuition is much, much stronger, and I experience a lot more synchronicities. Um, the one that I start off in my book, for example, is um, in 2012, I had left my marriage. And about four or five months after leaving my marriage, I found myself um, living in a cottage at the time. And even though I had known that I had done the right thing, and I felt that I had done the right thing by leaving, you know, I was still only seeing my kids half the week, and I was going through a transition, and I would say that I was kind of at an all-time low. Um, and I said, okay, so universe, can, can, you know, give me some guidance, show me a sign that everything's going to be okay. So a couple of hours later, I had to run into town. And when I drive into town, I always take the coastal route. Um, But my intuition, which I could hear very well now, um, was saying, you know, take the highway, take the highway. So I was like, okay, well, I'll take the highway. I'm not a fan of the highway, but whatever. Um, So I I go and I merge and I hop onto the highway and I look up and I see the license plate on the car in front of me. And the license plate said, trust God. And Hmm. for me, that was kind of, that experience was a big experience because it made me realize if, if there's a greater power, um, now I know I call it my inner being or the universe or source, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, that can create that fine grain of an experience. Who am I to doubt the circumstances that come my way? So at that point, I totally let go. Um, I kept my level of joy, kept ramping up. Um, and then again, a number of months later, I met my current girlfriend. So my current girlfriend, her name is Anik. So both of our parents, Nick and Anik, they both call us Nick. Um, when we met, we drive in the same car and a number of months after we, we were in a relationship, we even realized that we had left our marriages on the exact same day. Wow. Right? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, so for me, I experienced a lot of these synchronicities, like even today. So today I had a meeting, um, I'm doing a TEDx talk in a few weeks and I had to go meet with one of the TEDx representatives at a, at a Starbucks, which is in a, our local bookstore here. Mm-hmm. So we're chatting for about an hour and I'm talking about some of the stuff that I do and blocks and stuff like this. And I could energetically feel that the person, the lady sitting at a table next to us 
um, was listening in on our conversation. And I knew she was going to get up and walk over. And about 10 seconds later, she did. She gets up and she walks over. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if I, I'm intruding. But, you know, when I hear somebody else's conversation to me, I feel like it's something I'm meant to hear. And I was like, yeah, sure, I would agree with that. And she's mm-hmm. like, you know, I heard about what you're talking about, blocks and relationships. And I feel like maybe you could help me. Do you have a business card I could get in touch with? I said, oh, sorry, I don't have a business card. But why don't you give me your email address and I'll send you an email. So she gives me my email. I send her an email so, so, so she can get in touch with me. So she leaves, and then five minutes later, she comes back. And she's like, are you Nick Bro? Because she saw my name in the email. I'm like, right. yeah. She's like, I'm here today because I came here looking for your book. And I was disappointed because your book wasn't in the store yet. <laughs> right? And I'm like, well, you're lucky because I've actually got books in my car right now that are meant for this store. But we can go out, and I can, I can sell you one of them. So those are the types of synchronicities I experience all the time. Um, and that's really it creates so much ease in life when, when the things you need just kind of tend to show up. You don't have to effort to achieving things. And, and when you're in joy, you experience so much more of that. Mm-hmm. And it's really how life is meant to be lived. But because so many people are pulled out of that place of joy, they're disconnected and they're not experiencing all those magical moments. Mm-hmm. So it, I, it, I love that. In your book, do you do you share exercises or techniques to to give people a palpable way to create more joy, feel more joy? Yeah, so I've got a lot of synchronicity stories, a lot of concepts. Um, but out of the three sections, there's one of the sections which is dedicated to applying the work. So mm-hmm. what I realized over the last decade of studying, you know, consciousness and spirituality and healing and all this stuff was that I would read a lot of books. I totally agree with what it was saying, but then I'd put it down and I wouldn't do much different. Um, so really I wanted to change, create something that was going to be life changing. So what I did is I created an online website called shift club and in shift club, um, there's worksheets, there's meditations. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff to support the book. So in that section in the book, at the end of every chapter, there's worksheets to go along with it, where I teach techniques, where I walk people through a lot of the processes to identify what's in your inner inbox and to do some of the clearing work. Love that. Well, yeah, I mean, knowledge is great, but without something to be able to apply it, you know? Yeah. It's, There's knowing about something and truly knowing something, and that's when you put it into action. Yeah. Totally, totally. And and I realized that, you know, I spent so much time reading a lot of books and, and not applying. And I really knew that what's in this book really does change lives, but you've got to apply it. And that's 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 my my attempt at really helping people not just read the, the book and enjoy the book, but really be able to shift, shift their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's critical. And, you know, those, those synchronicities that you talked about, that's part of it right there is, you know, not only listening to that intuition and being in touch with it as we as we stay in that place of joy, but literally doing something with those little prompts, with those little pieces of intuition, like in your circumstance, the, you know, you were said, you were told to take the freeway instead of the coastal route. And yeah, I mean, so, so again, that's something that we, we wouldn't necessarily associate with taking action or applying what, you know, that particular knowledge, but it's there because yeah. it's so subtle and it's so instant and it's so, um, not a big deal, but it's all those little yeah. big deals, all those tiny little steps that build yeah, up and yeah. create something greater. Yeah, and a lot of people aren't getting the messages, too, because they're not present. They're not in the now, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you're walking down the street doing this on your phone, 
right? You're not going to receive that stuff. Hold on right? a second. I just got a text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 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 you know, joy is so important, but you know, being present is just as important as well. Yeah. So you, you, you can't be in joy and be scattered and be focused on five different things that aren't really important. So exactly. as you listen to your intuition more, you find that your intuition is always guiding you towards more joy. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. My belief is that that your intuition is it's your inner being, right? It's in your 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 soul, right? And your inner being, it loves you. It wants you to have everything that you want to have, and it's trying to guide you there. Um, but if you're not listening to it, um, you're taking the hard road. <laughs> yeah, we have this fallacy in our society, thinking that we're supposed to somehow suffer, and that we're supposed to, you know be miserable and that joy is something that you know is only supposed to be experienced after we die which to which i say bs yeah 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 no i would say when somebody asks me what their life purpose is you know i give them the abraham hicks answer which is joy and expansion mm-hmm. right we're here to be happy we're here to have fun we're here to learn and grow mm-hmm. right and it doesn't mean you're not going to have contrasting experiences because contrast contrasting experiences is what leads to growth, mm-hmm. right? But there's no reason why you can't experience contrast, but still be happy. Absolutely. The man born blind from birth can't know the meaning of darkness because he's never seen the light. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. And we can't know we're in joy if we're at some point not in joy. Exactly. How do we know? Right. We don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. Cool. Totally. Awesome. I love it. So do you have, uh, do you have plans for more books? Is Yeah. I miss not writing. Oh, really? How long did you work <laughs> I'm, I'm, on this book? Um, it's interesting because for me, I first, you know, I did a lot of training. So shamanic trainings, you know, Reiki, all this stuff. And anytime anybody would ever do an energy reading on me, the first thing that they would say would be, oh, you're going to be writing books or you're going to be talking in front of big crowds. And I was, I was like, okay, you know, even when you and I did the Akashic reading, Andy, the first thing you said was, oh, there's going to be more books. <laughs> right. So it's like the first <laughs> thing that always comes out of, of the mouth. So interesting. So for a long time, I, I kept hearing, and I was like, okay, maybe, you know, no big deal, whatever. Um, and then for the last three years, people have really been telling me, Nick, you got to write a book. You need to write a book. And I would try. And every time I would try to write a book, nothing. Hmm. Um, so eventually last December, I, I was kind of tired. I took the month of December off, manifested some money to me, allow me to do that. And then I think it was January 4th, I woke up. I just had the inspiration to write. I was like, oh, cool. I'll write a little ebook or something, a free giveaway. And then I start writing, and next thing you know, five days later, I had 80% of the book written. Um, so it flowed with absolute ease, of course, when I was in that state of joy of taking a whole five weeks off, right? Um, so book was done by May, back from the editor in June, but then I couldn't go back to it. No matter how hard I tried, even though the book was written, I just had to go through the edits, I could not get back to it. Um, then this year on about January 6th, so almost exactly a year later, <laughs> There was some synchronicities showing me that it was time to go back to the book. I went back to the book and it flowed easy. And then a bunch of keynote speaking engagements came up, perfect timing, the TEDx talk, perfect timing. So, and that period of time where the book just kind of sat there, um, when I came back to it, I came back to it with a whole new energy. Um, and it, that time off was critical to what made the book what it is today. And I'm so grateful um, for what I was able to add to it after that time off. So, so you can't force joy you can't just plow into it and make it into joyous experience 
you can't force anything, right? Allowing is so important, right? And that was part of that trust God story was that when that experience happened, I I fell into that state of trust and just allowing the universe to do what it's going to do and and just following along for the ride. And it's it's totally changed my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe my next book needs to be The Power of Allowing. There you go. Cool. Let it flow, let it go, and just literally go with the flow. What, totally. what, what, how, how do rivers you know, get to, from, the, from the top of the mountain down to the ocean? They follow the course of least resistance. Exactly. Stop trying to cling on to the rocks. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So just we're so the ones who try to build more of the tunnels. And I just want to give everyone a chance to, uh, to know where to find more about you, Nick, where to find your book. You want to tell anyone? Yeah, the books right now it's on Amazon. Um, just search for the power of joy and the website is discoverthepowerofjoy.com and you can find shift club there too. Oh, good. So did shift club, um, was that pre-existing to the book or did they all come into creation at the same time or, uh, pretty much the same time. I had some worksheets done up before for workshops and, and seminars and stuff. Um, so shift club, I just kind of plugged everything together. Um, so again, shift club's got worksheets, instructional videos, tapping videos, uh, meditations, online community in a Facebook group and practitioners that people have access to the book tapping session. So the main tool I use now is EFT, which is the tapping. Super. And uh, Craig's going to yeah. comment, Paul, asking your forgiveness for multitasking because he has just bought your book. So I, uh, <laughs> awesome. I think you're Thanks, okay with that. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> awesome. So we, we've, uh, we try to keep these programs to about a half hour just for easy replay to, to not overwhelm anybody. So we, we've reached our half hour. So I want to thank our guest, Nick Bro. Um, thank awesome. You. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. 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 And uh, this is your, you are, are new to Blab too. So I hope you enjoy Blab. And, and... Totally. I'm starting my own Blab. All right. Channel. I say the power Let's of joy Blab. <laughs> um, so next Tuesday we will have, it's it, April is guest month. We're going to have guest Cheryl Como, um, an actual woman. Yes. Real men can have female guests. All right. Yes, we can. <laughs> and we're going to be exploring with Cheryl, the trappings of male ancestry, right? What sort of, What's uh, what's tying us to old definitions that's not even in our present moment? What's in the past? What sort of baggage from ancestral lineage are we dragging forward? So that's next week. Um, so once again, thanks, everyone, for joining. Thanks for all the comments. Thanks for all the viewers. Thanks for everyone checking out um, Nick's book, The Power of Joy. And uh, we'll, awesome. we'll talk thank to you. everyone again soon. Hey, thank you.